0: Thank you, Shona. It is great to hear the Bible being read in church with such enthusiasm for us there. Um, But I wonder, uh, as you're listening, are you one of those people who ever gets uh, the Sunday night blues? Have you experienced that, that sense of Uh, coming to the end of the weekend and the working week just starting to creep up on you again. That's why Bank Holiday Mondays, of course, are so great, isn't it? You don't have to go through that process on a Sunday night. But if you get the Sunday night blues, maybe you also get that Friday feeling, that wonderful moment as you walk out of the school gate or out of the workshop or the office, whatever it is. And that sense that uh, the work is done for the week and you can head home for the weekend. Um, A seven day week uh, with a day of rest has been common to pretty much all cultures and pretty much all times in human history. Um, Back in the early 20th century, at one point, the USSR decided they wanted to abolish the seven-day week because it was such a waste of time to have a day when nobody was working in the factories. And so they they tried to switch to a five-day week in 1929, with uh, 20% of the people having a day off on each day so the factories could constantly run. And they abandoned it after a, a few years. Nobody liked it, unsurprisingly, and it turned out they were actually less rather than more productive as well. And when we read Genesis uh, chapter 1 and into chapter 2 there, that should come as no surprise to us. Because these seven-day rhythms, it turns out, were hardwired into the creation of the world right from the very beginning. Uh, the, The last verse of Genesis 1 says this, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Soviets might say, well, what do you need another day for? you finished all the work now. But in God's design, the seventh day is not an afterthought. It's not an optional extra. It's the day of rest. And as Tom said earlier, it's the goal of creation. So what does it tell us about God, the God that we worship? And what difference does it make to us having a seven-day week with this day of rest. I want to say, first of all, the seventh day is a day that gives us hope, because it tells us that God finished his work. Um, It is always good to finish something, isn't it? Um, That feeling of achievement when you've done what you set out to do, whether it's an essay or a workout or just the, the work that's lying on your desk. And in chapter 1, verse 31, there is already this sense of everything being completed. God saw all that he had made. Everything is done. But it's emphasised again in the first two verses of chapter 2. Uh, Verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. And then by the seventh day, God had finished all the work that he was doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. That word rested also means ceased. Again, it's the kind of rest you take when you sit down because you have completed your task. God completes what he starts. Uh, that is good news and it's really important. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the programme Grand Designs on TV. I quite enjoy it. One of the fascinations for me is uh, seeing these people designing their amazing houses and also wondering whether they're going to have the energy and the resources to follow through on the commitments that they have made. Um, I'm sure some of you can relate to that question, if you've ever built an extension or something like that. And I remember one couple who just ran out of money and uh, and ran out of energy and they ended up living pretty much in the shell of this huge house they built, unfinished. I think it was somewhere in Cumbria or somewhere, but not God. God has what it takes to finish his work Uh, despite the size of the project the biggest design and build project in all of history he doesn't come up short the heavens and the earth were completed and that really matters because as we go through Genesis we find that one of the main ways that God is introduced to us is as a God who makes promises um, you could probably think of some of them. He makes promises to Noah. Very significantly, he makes promises to Abraham, Genesis 12 and the chapters that follow. They're promises for the whole world. Uh, it would be fair to say that one of the, the key things about the Lord is that he makes promises to his people. But what sets him apart from all the other gods that were worshipped in the ancient world, gods of wood and stone and all kinds of other things, uh, who couldn't do anything, is that the Lord delivers on his promises he is if you like the completer finisher god and that's how you can trust someone who makes a promise isn't it you need to know have they got a track record of doing what they set out to do you know if you're looking for a mechanic to fix your car maybe you want a solicitor to help you move house well, it's one thing to see the claims they make in their adverts but it's another thing to get a recommendation from someone who says to you yes um, I've seen their work And they always get it done. Well, more than anyone else, that is God. Uh, He is the Lord who finishes what he sets out to do. And it gives us hope. Basically, because he has finished his great project of creation, just as he intended, we can also trust that he will complete his work of redemption and new creation that he has promised. We noted a couple of weeks ago that we live in a beautiful world, but it's a world that needs help. Genesis 1 tells us, and the beginning of Genesis 2 tells us, well, we can trust the Lord to provide that help because he gets things done. We have hope because we believe in the God who finishes his work. That's the first thing that this day of rest does for us. But then the second thing about the day of rest is that it's important because in it, God is showing us what life is for and what it is all about. Again, verse 2, So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Why does God rest? Not because he's tired. Not because at the end of a very full working week, he's just run out of energy. And uh, all he's good for is to just collapse on the sofa and watch Netflix. No, rest is the goal of creation. Living in God's creation at rest and at peace with one another and with God is what God has made us for. It's good. It's his design. And he wants us to be a part of that. And the rest that he offers is complete refreshment. It is everything as it should be, so much more than just chilling out after a busy week. After the work comes the blessing, the enjoyment of creation in company with others. Some people give the impression that basically they live in order to work, don't they? all that matters to them work is their whole life work is very good by the way it's part of creation and we'll come back to this over the coming weeks I'm sure work is a good thing but it's not everything if it becomes everything then it's an idol and God is not defined by his work either in fact it seems very much that God works in order to live and not the other way around he works for the goal of rest Now this is brilliant and it's important for several reasons Uh, and I would just like to give us three to take away and reflect on today. Um, Here they are. First of all, uh, this matters because it teaches us to trust God. Secondly, it matters because it gives us a healthy pattern to live by which is centred on worship of God. And thirdly, it matters because it points us to Jesus who welcomes us. First of all, all of this stuff about rest here matters because it teaches us to trust God. Here in Genesis 2, God blesses this seventh day. He makes it holy. Uh, It's special, set aside from the other days. In fact, it's part of a theme of separation, which you might have noticed as we've read through the first chapter of Genesis over the last couple of weeks, uh, where there is uh, light separated from darkness. You know, the waters above separated from the waters below, the dry land separated from the oceans and now the day of rest separated from the days of work. There's a time for labor and there's a time for Sabbath, for relationship and rest, most of all for our relationship with the Lord. As Lizzie said earlier on, this is something which then becomes built into that fabric of Israel's life. It's there in the fourth commandment, Uh, Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Now, we live in the rich West, don't we, pretty much? We get deliveries from Asda and Tesco. We can click and collect. If we really run out of something, we can just pop to the co-op pretty much whenever we want to. None of this existed, of course, in the ancient world and so this pattern of weekly rest was actually quite radical Uh, this was a world where in order to eat you had to grow stuff or graze livestock and it was your work that provided for you there was a very close link in a very literal sense not to work for a whole day uh, is really to exhibit trust that god will provide for you nevertheless it's making a statement to do something like that we trust him enough to give up our livelihood one day a week because there is something that's even more important than that Um, that's real faith isn't it Um, real trust real faith is not about what i can stand here in church and say i believe uh, on a sunday or any other day it's about doing something in practice which will affect me which shows where my priorities lie it's always struck me when i've heard about sportsmen who've refused to work on a sunday i don't think that's a rule that has to be in place for all christians or anything like that But nevertheless, it can be really costly, and it makes a real statement, doesn't it, about the kind of faith uh, that people have. And it brings a great deal of honour to God when it's carried out, I think. Um, God says to us here, if you want to live well in my world, as it was designed to work, you need rest in your life. Uh, Whatever that looks like for you, all of us, we need something to stop us doing what we normally do, and to remind us to trust the Lord. That's the first reason why this matters. Um, Second reason why this is really important is that it gives us a pattern for life. That's what rest does. And it's a pattern uh, which is centered on worship. Uh, This day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Of course, for Israel, the Sabbath was this weekly reminder that there was more to life than work and that they depended on God who promised life and rest to them. So Saturday became their Sabbath. And the earliest Christians, who of course were Jewish Christians, it seems fairly quickly took this principle and began to apply it to Sunday. Uh, Because it was the first day of the week, the day when the new creation began as Jesus rose from the dead on that first Easter day. Uh, There are a few hints of this even happening in the New Testament, where it seems to be called the Lord's Day. And certainly it was happening fairly quickly after that. So, are we obligated to... Keep the Sabbath day holy, even when it's on a Sunday, not on Saturday, which is the original Sabbath. Some Christians say, yes, we must do that because it's a commandment that goes right back to creation. So it's for all time. Others say, no, there's more flexibility than that. It's been fulfilled in Christ, and so we're freed from it as a rule. It is uh, the only one of the Ten Commandments that's not specifically reiterated for us in the New Testament. I think that probably is right that we need to be careful not to get too legalistic about this. Uh, And we need to remember that Jesus was challenged about his Sabbath-keeping on several occasions in the Gospels. Uh, And on one of those, he said, Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, this day of rest is a gift from God, not a test from God. It's not keep it or else. It's keep it or you are missing out on something That's really quite important and worthwhile. So, I think we've got some freedom in this area, but we certainly shouldn't just cast away the principle. We may not be legally bound to keep the Sabbath in the same way that Israel were, but we need this weekly holy day of rest in order to live human fulfilled lives, lives uh, that are to the full, as Jesus promised, with a break from work and a special focus on God himself. That is a good pattern given to us by a good God. And if we want to live well as God's people in God's world we need to have these patterns of work and Sabbath rest well established in our lives. Um, That is why gathering for Sunday worship is such an important part of the Christian life. I want to say it's a lot easier not to do that and to get out of the habit of doing that. I think we're battling two particular things Uh, In these days especially. One of them is that we simply live in a culture that doesn't recognise Sunday as special very much anymore. And most of us can remember uh, when it was when shops started being opening in general on a Sunday. It's only a generation ago or so, isn't it? These days you can do anything. There, There used to be not really all that much sport played on a Sunday. But these days the way that society is mitigates against us taking it as a day devoted to the Lord. And it's quite costly to do so Um, that's the first thing the second thing is really i think just what's happened over the last year when we've been forced not to actually meet in the same room Um, we've continued doing it online we've recognized on several occasions that this is far from ideal and i think i've said before that uh, one of the things i do wonder is whether that church-going habit may be broken in some of us because we just haven't done it for so long It's a habit which, if we don't work at it and commit to it, it's very easy to lose. And so one of my my real prayers at the moment is that as things begin to open up again, that we will really value the opportunity to meet together on a Sunday morning and on a Sunday evening. Um, So do sign up to come, even while it's not ideal at the moment in our evening services, even while we've got some restrictions, and hopefully we'll all be back together again before too long. Because this pattern of worship at the centre of our day of rest is one of the great gifts that God has given to us in his creation – a day to focus on God and relationships with his family. And then the last reason, which we mustn't forget as we focus on the pattern of work and rest in those days of creation, is that it also points us to Jesus and the goal of new creation. Uh, Here in our passage, as I've said, we see God at work. We see God finishing his work. And then he rests. And he sets the seventh day apart. And he declares that it's holy. It's the goal of creation. We've been reminded that even after things do go wrong, God makes promises. And his people know they can trust his promises that he will do something about this because he's got a track record. He finishes what he starts. And of course, we need to remember that in time, the Son of God came to earth to live as a man. What does he do? He works. It's the work of salvation, of rescue for his people and for his world. And his work takes him to the cross, where he dies on a Friday, the sixth day. And as he dies, he cries out, It is finished. we've read Genesis we've heard this before haven't we and then he rests in the tomb on the seventh day and then he rises and he lives on the first day of the new week the first day of God's new creation and we remember this every time we stop for one day a week to rest and to worship God and this is the Lord we come to once again today this is Jesus Who says to us, whatever day of the week it might be, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.